the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 888 789 or visit slash chat for Connecticut, 1 800 Gambler, or visit slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1 877 Stop for Louisiana, 1 800 270 7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1 877 8 Hope NY, or text Hope NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the sessions. Do I sound congested? It's because I certainly am. Um, We're out in Las Vegas. Double or nothing just happened per this recording, which is late when you guys are hearing this. But anyways, whatever. That's neither here nor there. It's so insanely, what's the word, allergy season out here? It's, a, it's allergic out here. So if I sound congested, that's why, my friends. But anyways, okay, so we came out here. We're in Las Vegas. Emilio was here with me. We popped into the Blue Wire Studios. They had us come in to come hang out. They were very gracious, amazing hosts. Oh, my God, did they hook it up. Wow, did they also give me a little taste of that studio life again? Because let me tell you... It's a rootin' tootin' good time. It was really, really awesome. So thank you to Blue Wire for having us. A lot of great babes joined the podcast. This is a very, like, female-centric time, which I I love. It was cool because that wasn't even, like, my intention. We kind of rolled out here and we're like, oh, who's going to be on the podcast? What are we going to do? And we knocked out some really great ones. So this one is one that I feel like I have been dying to do for some time. I've been waiting for it for a little while now, ever since she announced or was announced as the uh, new executive producer for Women of Wrestling for WOW, AJ Mendez. We finally got her here on the show, and I am so, so, so glad that we waited to do this in person. It made, uh, I mean, it always makes such a difference. It's so nice to be there in person. But she's in town. Obviously, Double or Nothing is here. Her husband, CM Punk, just became the AEW uh, champion. Busy, busy thing. So AJ and I got to hang out, talked all things Women of Wrestling, talked her relationship with Jeannie Buss, while just talking about her relationship with wrestling, you know, her downtime being away from WWE, now getting back into the swing of things with women of wrestling, while also talking about all the other things she's become such an advocate for um, and been very uh, vocal about in terms of her mental health awareness, talking about being bipolar. So there's so much stuff that we got into, and I'm, I'm just so happy that I got to have her on. I'm happy that we got to reconnect. We were able to just like get together and have a coffee before. That's when I was like, hey. <laughs> will you come do the podcast? Um, And then when she said she would, it was like a hip, hip, hooray moment. So here we go. Let's get into it. This is AJ Mendez. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that this is happening. AJ Lee. It's been a minute since you and I have done an interview. It has been. I think legally I can't use the name Lee. <laughs> so it's funny. I, when I put the notes together, I was like, AJ Lee, AJ Brooks. AJ Mendez. AJ Mendez. <laughs> Do you hyphen it? Is that a real I life don't, question? I was going to, and I'm just very lazy. It's yeah. AJ Mendez. <laughs> no, it's a lot of work it's doing that. Work. It is so much work. I did it, but it was like jumping through hoops yeah. to do it. Yeah. And it's very confusing. Like I just did to you where people are like Renee Young, Renee Paquette, Renee Good, Renee Moxley. It's all over the place. Renee Ambrose. Renee. Like, oh my God. You just go by the one name, Renee. And I just Renee. I wish that sure. that's all it was. I've been trying to do that for some time and 
It's all right. The cat works. <laughs> um, how are you doing? This is so cool. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I was, it was yes. so nice to like catch up with you yesterday. Yes. And, but like today also, it just, it feels like seven years has passed, but also no time has passed at all. It's really crazy how that can happen too. And you see someone that like you get to spend like a bunch of time together on the road and then you like reconnect and it's like, yeah, it's really like no time is passed. Also, you have not aged a day. So oh God, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to you on that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. I'm very oily. <laughs> Which is great. That's better than being like brittle and dry. Keep it coming. <laughs> Keep it coming. Okay, so we are out here in Las Vegas. Uh, Double or Nothing is happening. You're out here, of course, with your husband. Mm -hmm. um, but you have also now dabbled back into the world of professional wrestling with yeah. women of wrestling with WOW. How is that going? How did that come about? So it came about because the last two or three years, I've been working on getting into uh, film and television writing, which is my initial focus in school. I went to NYU film school for writing and production and couldn't afford school and got kicked out and uh, ended up going to my passion, my love, which was wrestling. Yeah. Then when I retired from that, I took sort of like the circuitous route to get back into it and started a production company. And through that process of being a producer and a writer and a wrestler, it seemed like the perfect fit when WOW was looking for that person yeah. a, and a woman who knew wrestling and also knew how to, you know, write and produce. Mm. So I talked to Jeannie Buss, who was like the owner of the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about sports. I got a lot of questions about that because I feel like <laughs> I, I, I also like, I mean, I know about sports, but like that relationship with Jeannie Buss, uh, anyways, carry on. I'll do a follow-up. <laughs> well, my team told me that Jeannie Buss wants to talk to you and they were very, very excited about this. The Lakers were going to sign you. Yeah, and that's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, I'm kind, I'm 5'2", but you know. Muggsy Bogues coming in hot, there everybody. You go. And my dog was named Muggsy growing up. Oh my God. Yes, because of Muggsy Bogues. Oh, yes. see guys, we do know sports. There he is, sports. <laughs> that's what I do when I go to like any game with my husband. I'm just like, is everyone having fun? <laughs> I want everybody to enjoy themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So they had to very much explain what was happening. Uh, I was confused. And then she explained that she was the owner of WOW and the executive producer. And she was very open-hearted and open-minded to be like, share this title with me and bring your expertise in both areas. It felt like the most perfect fit of what I do now versus like where I've been. I, don't, yeah. I haven't forgotten where I came from. I'm just not bumping. <laughs> so it was a really Amen. nice way to combine those two loves and just like see what the next generation is doing and just to see this whole group of women who are brand new and they're like yeah. big shiny hopeful eyes and I'm like I will protect you and <laughs> keep you in a bubble never lose this does um, it very much feel like that too of like being in that executive producer role having spent the time in professional wrestling that you did having the time away from it and now being back in it to like make it a better great space for people to be in yeah i think my goal was very much to a lot of the most of what I remember from wrestling is the great stuff. Yeah. Like the fun stuff, the wonderful memories with the girls that were just like my buddies and the cool stories. Like yeah. the stuff that like felt feminine and like more emotional story arcs. I was really lucky to do. So that and like a wholesome take for Saturday morning television, family friendly television is what we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to see what that could be in this day and age of modern wrestling. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it's really exciting to, you know, we're not trying to be competition. We're just trying to say, look at all these different wonderful women that are out there. There's just room for everybody to shine. Yeah. What do you guys look for for the women of Women of Wrestling? I think the biggest thing, sort of the um, MO, is just that everybody gets along and it's a safe, comfortable, inclusive environment. Yeah. So our entire cast is so um, diverse. Mm -hmm. We have all different cultures, all different shapes and sizes. Uh, all different experience levels coming mm -hmm. in. Some people have wrestling have been wrestling for 10 years. Some have been wrestling for 10 weeks. <laughs> yeah. And it's just really fascinating to see like it's every kind of woman on TV being a different kind of role model. And the goal is to show that superheroes come in so many different packages and, and a woman can be a superhero in so many different ways. 100%. I mean, you were such a, a pioneer of the women's evolution and to see how far women's wrestling has come from the time of that shakeup starting to happen of the Give Divas a Chance, then you're not a part of wrestling. And now to see what all has happened for women in wrestling, how much of it have you 
been watching that you've been able to see to kind of like see how much wrestling has really changed, especially for the women? So I'm just getting back into it. And I always feel really guilty saying that because I don't want to like alienate anyone. I don't have think them. you need to feel guilty about that. <laughs> I hope that my fans know that like I love them and I was not abandoning them by not watching wrestling. <laughs> but to me, it always felt like when a chapter closes like college or, you know, high school or when it, you love those memories, but you go to the next chapter. Yep. You know, from high school, you go to college. From college, you go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was almost like difficult to even imagine watching because it would A, feel like work. Sure. Sure. And I was like, let me take a vacation for a year. Yeah. Um, But also because it just felt like that chapter was closed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really was completely out of the loop. And now getting back into it, I am like that dope that's been in a coma <laughs> for like You're six like years. Austin Powers. I really yeah, am. Baby. There's like these people who are so popular and I'm like, who? Explain to me, like, give me a quick history. And so I'm learning and it's been really inspiring to see like how far it's come. But luckily I have had like one of my, one of my great wrestling friends is Bailey. And she's always kind of kept me, me in the loop. Pam. God, Pam is like the greatest. Just as a she's human. She's a magical person. She really is. She's my unicorn. Love her. Um, so she, I've always checked in with her. So I've yeah. kind of known stuff just through her over yeah. the years. Mostly just because I want her to be like the top woman of all time. And I mean, <laughs> she, when she returns, whenever that eventually happens, I mean, there's no way for her not to be for when she was able to do, especially during like pandemic wrestling mm-hmm. and her love of wrestling, I think it's just so infectious and I can't say enough good things about that old Pam. She's the best. Yes. <laughs> but it's also just cool. Even like, even I don't know what's like happening with the stories or like a lot of people's names. Like I can see stuff on like on Twitter and yeah. Instagram sometimes and everyone looks cool as fuck. Can I curse on here? Yeah. Oh my okay. God. Let it fly. <laughs> let that shit fly. And because I don't know them, it reminds me of like the way I felt as a kid watching wrestling. Yeah. Where I was like, oh wow. Like I, I could be fans of all of these girls now. And like every program, every chick I see, I'm like, holy shit. Like that's a superhero. That would have been a superhero. When you come out of this bubble and you're like, wait, okay. So what is happening in wrestling? Like, what does it look like to you? Who are some of the names that really stand out to you? Not to like totally put you on the spot, but like (laughs) if there are a few names that you're like, oh, this person's doing something cool. And this person and this person. Yeah. Well, I've been watching some AEW for reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say, like, as I love so many people on the roster. I think the best wrestler they have is Serena Deeb. Oh my God. I'm obsessed Shout with her. Shout out to Serena. Serena and I are like, go way back. I was in FCW and I have, was the first indie wrestler, they, female indie wrestler they had signed in like a decade or something. And it was this huge deal. And I only had two years of experience. So it was kind of just like this label. When she came in, it was like I was drowning and this wonderful person came in to save me. Yeah. Um, and she was like an indie wrestler that had a lot of experience, like a real fucking indie wrestler. Mm-hmm. And she was so good that she taught me so much in this very short period of time and then got injured. And then I had to step up and be locker room leader. All I did was just mimic what she taught me. <laughs> and it made me a better wrestler. And yeah. it, I honestly like credit her teaching me and then like passing that torch to me for like me becoming a good wrestler and everything else that happened afterwards, like success wise. So she's just like the beginning of a chapter for me. And I just like to see her shine now is amazing. She's thriving and she looks amazing. She's so fucking good. She's great. Uh, I love Brit. Yeah. That's my girl. (laughs) Oh my God. I love a promo. You know, I love a promo. Right? When you're watching her do her thing and she's cutting these amazing promos. Yeah. That's got to make you feel a certain way. Oh my God. It's just so good. Like there's like a confidence. There's something that you can, you can't teach people. It's just like, if you love yourself and you know who you are. Yes. You speak a different way. 100%. Oh, and I could just like see that in her. So I'm always just like, that's my baby. Um, I think I'm going to like meet her this weekend. I'm so excited. I'm just like running her. It's going to be great. (laughs) Does it feel weird for you being around an event like this this weekend where like, not that it's like a WrestleMania weekend, but like when there's fans everywhere and you're like really kind of in that wrestling bubble. Are you feeling that right now? I'm like hiding everywhere. (laughs) Well, I was going to say you're generally kind of like in hiding. I feel like you like, you're so busy doing your own thing and you have so much success with doing that. That now like, yeah, I mean with, with Punk being back in wrestling and now you doing... Uh, the executive producer role with Women of Wrestling and stepping into commentary for that, which is a whole other conversation that we'll get into. 
What was the time like for you being away from wrestling? Was there ever like a weird like identity issue of stepping yeah. away from that? I think every wrestler I've ever talked to that retired has had that moment. Yeah. There's two sides to it. A, I think like you have to grieve the death of this life and this character, right? Yeah. Because there's so much for me, one of the things that like has always maintained my mental health is keeping a separation between AJ Mendez and AJ Lee, this yeah. character, and knowing that like I'm playing a character on a TV show and that's why I can be bold and brash and a dick because like I know it's like fake. But in wrestling, you the lines do blur, right? So a lot of people take a lot of stuff personally. I think I saved my own life by not being that way and being able to be like, okay, that character is retired and Mendez is still here and whole. And I've seen a lot of people kind of lose their way because they don't know that separation. Mm-hmm. So they are like, well, who am I without this? Yeah. But because I loved it so much, there is a grieving process where right after wrestling, I went right into writing the book. And so I was so busy and the book came out and we did the tour and it did really well. And then the tour was done. And then I was just home. You know, I am a mental health advocate. I talk about it often that I live with bipolar disorder and it hit me really hard. I went into this really long depression Mm -hmm. because that lull in busyness coincided with my family getting trapped in this hurricane in Puerto Rico and me not knowing if they were alive and had like this team go in this to get like proof of life oh my god and like get like watered them so they could survive it was a very like traumatic couple of weeks and it just was the same time where like I didn't know what was happening in life and so yeah. I went through this really really long like four month depression that was very very dark and work is what got me out of that as, mm-hmm. it, as it always has my safe place has always been creating these like fantastical worlds and like we were talking about yesterday yeah, yeah. when I was like this like homeless kid and like living in like motels, I would draw comic books in a notebook. And like, that was the only thing that would save my life. Just something to focus on so I could be anywhere but here. And so that's what I started to do. I was like, okay, well, what's the next writing thing I want to do? That saves my brain. And that's how I got into getting back into film and television writing and comic book writing. It, it is really crazy, like trying to really navigate that. Like, what am I doing next? How do I figure out what the next step is? And like, that balance of like wanting to like hustle and do things, but also like what feels right to really yeah. pull the trigger on. It can be a very, uh, very, very confusing time. And you have to take that time to grieve. You right? do. Like, don't you, rush you do to stay there and like feel those feelings. I know it's funny. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely went through that um, with my time of like leaving WWE and it's like you leave part of like that, that part of your life is mm-hmm. just over. You're, you don't see those friends all the time. And as much as you can stay in contact, it's just, it's just not the same thing. And it can definitely be a, a bit of a tough balance to try to figure those things out. Yeah. Um, what was it like for, for you and Punk? I mean, for you guys to both be away from wrestling, but then the conversations to start to happen, like, okay, he's going to get back into wrestling. Like when you guys started talking about that, what was that like? Okay. So like, I'm an extremely <laughs> private person. Yeah. And he is the opposite. Like he, he'll like see a stranger on the street and be like, this is like me and John where like, I tell everyone everything and he's like (laughs) closed book. So I get it. I'll help you navigate it or not, whatever you need. It's interesting. He'll be like, here's my test results from my doctor's appointment. Like anyone (laughs) who will listen. Um, And I'm just like, you know, so such a like closed up person. But um, so I don't know if he shared this, but the conversation was a conversation, I think, way longer than people knew, with many things happening in the universe. There was many options. And it was <laughs> a very long time of like, what's the right route here? What's the safest route? What's, what does that look like? It, it was something I was kind of scared of, just like seeing what would, I don't know, like emotionally happen. Yeah. But um, that was more or less for, for, for his stuff. I, to me, I retired and I, I retired. So, Even though everyone wants that mixed tag, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. I, I always say never say never, but don't hold your breath. Yeah. And then everyone always just like holds on to the never say thing. never. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Don't hold your breath. You're going to die. Um, but I just wanted him to be like emotionally safe and protected. Yeah. And that's been like the coolest thing about um, his experience here is that it, it feels like he's always in a safe place and has a good group of people around him yeah. at AEW. And so that makes me very happy. And then there was a lot of like, well, let's go. And then uh, yeah. to me, that didn't spark anything in me. But the combination of wrestling and writing 
um, wrestling and producing that was like the more comfortable and more exciting because it was just a challenge. It's something I had. Seems like a great fit. I love it. It checks all the boxes. So how could you not, right? Funny. I mean, you just saying that about like punk getting back into wrestling. Cause I remember you and I have been talking when he was coming to do the Fox show and you're yes. like, can we just make sure everything's okay here? And like, Oh my God. Thank <laughs> God for you. I genuinely, you know how, like, I was like, just look out for Is him. Okay? I was just so happy that there was yeah. one kind person I knew that would like have his back. And I was just like, please tell me and make sure everything's fine. <laughs> So I very much appreciated that. Of course. Listen, I mean, that was such a great experience for me. And it was such a great way to be able to to reconnect and do a show. And obviously people were so excited to see him back in a wrestling space in any capacity. I'm I'm sure they're a lot happier to see him doing what he's doing now. They want to see him put on his boots. But yes, I mean, it, it really was great. But that was, you know, we had an open line of communication with that of just like, let's just make sure everyone's okay. And yeah, it can be such an emotional thing and there's so much more involved in it rather than just, it's not just going into a job and accepting a job. There's just so much more kind of at stake with it, especially on like the emotional side when you've been so invested in doing something for such a long time. It just adds that other layer that can make it feel so like, ugh. Yeah, it's and you scary. Don't, you don't want to like, well, side note, but I've said this to you, but it needs to be documented. Uh, you and him are like, and Soraya. Yes. We're so good together. Yeah. That, like the three of you need a show together. Um, Listen, just I'm, it out there I'm ready to go. We're ready. We've got the studio. <laughs> we are set up here, ready to go. It was I, magic, you three. It was a lot of fun. I always felt like so great about like the timing of when I retired because you, you never want to be the last girl at the party. You want to go out on top. Yes. And so like that just, everything felt so perfect and like tied up in a bow. And I know his experience is different. To me, it was, I don't, I didn't want him or me with wow, anything to feel like you were like that person going back and hanging out with like a high school kids. And you're like, what's up? Young, <laughs> young kids. What's happening? Fellow cool. Kids. Yeah. Riding on a skateboard. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I was hoping it wasn't that. And it, it seems to, to not be. Does so. it feel very much so? I mean, you guys both have very much like your own careers, your own things going. Not that that's necessarily done by design, but do you think about that? Cause I feel like John and I are very much like we do our own separate things. We don't really collaborate on much together Really ever. Yeah. Are you, you guys are the same? He'd probably love it if we could collaborate on stuff. I feel like I don't want to invite people into my marriage. Sure. So like I never post about it. Yeah. I never, and like, so everyone's always just like, why don't you, do you not like your husband? And yeah. it's like, well, you're not invited into this house. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. But he's the opposite. And yeah. so like, that is interesting. Um, and, I, and I appreciate that very much from him. In my book, I wrote like, you know, I said a little bit about the time we got together mm-hmm. and then I wrote, and the rest of our story is just for us. And I meant that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, so to me, working together is almost like cracking open a door and inviting people in. And- no, it's, it's 100% true. And it's funny. Cause I remember John and I were in like a little bit of a similar situation with that when we, we did do like a tiny bit of a storyline in really? WWE when um, it was right after we got married and it was a thing with Miz and Maurice where like Miz said something to me and I slapped him in the face and But anyways, it was really a thing that John was pretty uncomfortable with because he didn't want the same thing. He's like, this is going to turn into one of those like gimmicky things where now all of a sudden we're like this wrestling couple and it's going to just be weird and it's going to become a very muddy gray area and someone's going to say something very personal on television and that's weird. So I, I totally get it. But I remember at the time being like, oh, this seems kind of fun. Sure, why not? But then when you really look at what the bigger scope of that is and what that really means for your relationship, for your personal life, and like really wanting to keep things private because it is just for you. Mm-hmm. And it can be, uh, yeah, it can, it can be a little bit hard to navigate that sometimes, I yes. guess. Yeah. So anyways, I'll stop asking you questions about. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the same kind of goes for like social media in general, right? Sure. Like people want this like invitation into your home, into your bedroom, into what you're eating, into like what you're wearing yeah. every day. And I don't do that. And people are like, why don't you share Let me anything? In. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? You um, did, however, drop the photo of the abs the other day. And I'm still hung up on it. I literally, I had not seen you for like six, seven years. And I was like, can we talk about this photo? I literally had like just spotted you in the crowd. And I was like, we need to talk about the abs. Oh my God. What is, what is your like workout regime? How do you maintain this physique oh without gosh. having to take any bumps? What is going on? I will preface it by saying the first year of the pandemic, 
I did not work out for a year. Good for you. Oh my God. Well, I wanted to learn how to write. And so uh-huh. I went back into my old books from NYU and I like went to the college of Amazon and ordered all these books. Hell yeah. And I entered writing competitions and I just like was like, I'm not going to do anything but write. And I also learned how to bake. And so <laughs> my being, girl. Yes. So being sedentary in literature. and eating sugar, I gained a lot of weight and I loved it. Like Phil, Phil loves it. Like I just like. What is with dudes in that? I dudes don't love that. When I was pregnant, John's like, come here. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> Calm down. But it was like delicious and amazing. I loved it. And then I realized I had to come back to television. There's another project I have to, I'm doing on television that I can't talk about yet. Oh. So it was like kind of at the same time. Um, but it was two things at the same time. I was like, I should maybe get into shape. To me, diets never work. Really, really hard training programs never work because being someone who lives with bipolar disorder, I'm really, really prone to addictive tendencies. So I can't go like 100% on anything. Yeah. I'll just swing the other way really hard. Mm-hmm. So I have to do everything really moderately and like kind to my body. I never want to be mean to it. If I want a donut, I'm going to eat the fucking donut. Hell yes. yes. But, so but what gets me into that shape in particular is high intensity interval training with weights. And then I'll just do like moderate carbs. Knowing I have like a shoot or something, I'll like kick it up. Yeah. That works. So it's being kind. Good to know. Yes. I, I mean, not, listen, I've not had an ab in a <laughs> solid decade, um, <laughs> but- You look amazing, by the way. Thank you. You've grown thank a you. human being. Just, I'm trying to like- Yeah, you grow a person and your body changes and it's great. <laughs> I actually do really love it. Like even like changes in my body, I'm like, yeah, you got to be kind to yourself. Yeah. It is what it is. I'm also 36. Everyone just give a girl a break. Fight fans, take your best shot with $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $200 in free bets on your first bet of $5. Just sign up with promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. To get your $200 in free bets guaranteed, just sign up with promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable fee bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. The Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, so when you were writing your book, what went into putting your book together? And as someone who is very private, how was that for you putting all of that out there? Terrifying. The most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. They gave me like a word count, 100,000 words, go. I wrote a first draft. They were like, oh, that's cute. Um, try again and try harder. Oh it was very much like God. I had to just do it right properly, but get it out of my system the first draft. Yeah. So I had to kind of do 100,000 words twice. The no second, easy task. No That's easy task. A tall order. I definitely lost like five years off my life. How long does that take? Four months. Okay. Or six months, I think, with okay. both drafts. And I remember offering that to them. They were like, how long do you think it'll take you? And I was like, four months. And they were like, really? And I was like, I should have said a year. year. <laughs> Give me a year. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we stayed at that timeline. But the good thing about that is it gave me the opportunity to realize I was kind of holding back. And to me, I don't like sharing stuff unless I think it can be useful to people. I also don't want to waste my platform, right? Like if people sure. are listening to what I'm saying, I need to say something worthwhile. And so that was sort of my move after wrestling was like Twitter and all this stuff isn't character stuff. It's like, it's me and it represents my mission statement and my values and beliefs. So I kind of needed to put more of that into the book. I added a lot of the mental health journey, which I was not going to do the first round. I was very scared. I was going to like tiptoe around it. Yeah. I got real dirty with that, like as like ugly as I could get with it, like Mm -hmm. to show the truth and show that you can survive a lot. Everyone has a mental health journey. And then it coming out was the scariest thing in the world. I can only imagine like, as you are like at home writing this and passing it off to editors and to the publishers and they're reading these things, 
But to like really dig deep like that, write it, cool, take a breather. Oh my God, other people are going to read this. Holy shit. What was that like? I mean, well, also, yeah, keeping in mind, you deal with bipolar disorder, like having that being an ongoing thing while having this monumental moment happening. How did those battle each other? It was terrifying because you get, um, you know, you you have this beautiful book, by the way. Thank you. Um, I mean, it just does not get nearly as nitty and gritty as yours does. <laughs> uh, mine's just about the cooking side. But it's very, <laughs> but very well you. done. Thank you. But you know, they show you a draft. And so I saw the draft and I was like, oh, it's real. Like these are words. They're like, like put on the page and they show you how, exactly how it's going to be laid out. Yeah. And that like kind of sent me into this like super panic where I was like, okay, it's out. now it's just out of your control. But what's really cool about that is like the second you give it to the world, it's not your burden to carry anymore. Sure. So it felt like therapy. It felt like I was scared of people judging me and like how would work look like in the future? People know like I'm bipolar. I live with bipolar. Just stuff like that was terrifying, but everything else outweighed that so much when it actually came out where people were coming up to me and telling me their story. People I knew in my life for so long were texting me and they were saying they also struggled with depression. Yeah. But they knew people who were bipolar. I knew them for years and we never had this conversation. Yeah. Um, so it was cool to be like that safe place for people. And it was so worth it. And then the book did really well. We we're a New York Times bestseller. Oh my God. What was your reaction finding out that you were a New York Times bestseller? That's crazy. Also, what goes into even becoming a New York Times bestseller? I have no idea because I am not one. It is. <laughs> you will be. But I'm an Amazon bestseller. That is also awesome. I'll take it. It's great. <laughs> but New York Times bestseller, that's huge. It is. Um, it was a goal since I was a child. Like, since I was very young, I had a joke that, like, all these terrible things were happening because I was going to write a book about it one day. Like, it was all just fodder for the tell-all. Oh, I love this. Yeah. And then it just became, like, a life goal. Like, I always had this list. And and I talk about it a little bit in the book, too, where it was, like, uh, I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to have an action figure. I wanted to be in a video game. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be a New York Times bestseller. And I have, like, a new list. And, like, I'm starting to check stuff Ooh. off, which is really cool. Um, but so it was, like, this thing that I felt was always meant for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I say things to people who are like, oh, you're very confident. No, it's like, fuck that. They're very uncomfortable with women being confident. No, I love it. <laughs> it's like, I just knew it. Like I just yeah. felt it was meant for me. Yep. Um, but it also felt like surreal. Like I wasn't in the moment as it was happening. I think I was like in an Apple store and my team called me and they like left the screaming message. <laughs> and I, I was like trying to like get someone's attention. New York Times like, and I just had to like freak out like and scream in front of a Sephora. That's all I remember. Oh my <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I was like, well, now I can. Die. What did you? How did you celebrate? What is the celebration for this? Because I mean, it's just my 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 brain is. I can't imagine what that's like getting that call. It's amazing. I think I like just like maybe texted everyone I've ever known in my entire life <laughs> and like ate pizza. Like it was very much perfect. Like, every celebration is like food related for me. Me too. It was one of those moments where you're like, now what is the new goal? Now what? <laughs> so what are some of the things that are on this new list? very much put into the universe that I wanted to get into my other love, uh, which was writing for film and TV Mm -hmm. and comics. And I got to write Dungeons and Dragons and Glow and Wonder Woman. Yep. And then the next stage for me was television writing. So I entered a writing competition and like won. And that was really cool because like, it wasn't like a TV character. I wasn't like, they didn't know me. I was just like a writer. Like they had no idea that I... I remember doing like a Zoom with them. And I was like, they were like, what's that action figure behind you? And I was like, that's me. (laughs) What is it? Like, it's like a weird anecdote now to a lot of people in my my new job, my new world. So I really wanted to write for TV. Film seemed really, really out of reach, but that was a goal. And somehow through meetings and getting a team together, I was able to, um, my writing partner and myself were able to pitch for this movie for Universal. It's going to be on Netflix. And- we just went balls to the wall because we figured there's no way we're going to get this. Like, yeah. We just have writing samples like and comic books. We don't have any experience yet. And we got the job. And so I leapfrogged from what I thought I was going to start in television. And I went right to the thing that scared me the most, which was feature films. Yeah. <laughs> I was so terrified. I was so terrified of that. I wasn't even going to touch it. Just be able to like say I, I wrote a movie and it's like coming out on Netflix next year is blows my mind. I feel like I manifested that. Truly, like there's, there, like that's a real thing. 100% putting that shit out to the universe and obviously doing the work and being good at what you do. Like those things all go hand in hand, but like putting in the work and putting it out there and 
just jumping into the deep end of a shit. That opportunity comes up. What are you going to do? Like, of course, you're going to make that shit happen and throw it all against the wall. It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, ter- it's terrifying. And when I, does the movie come out? The movie comes out in October next year. And it's, I have it written down. Mm, <laughs> you want me to see nope, it? No, nope. Blade <laughs> of the 47 Ronin. Yes. I knew, I was like, it's in here, but I'm going to have to scroll to find it. Blade of the 47 Ronin. What is this movie? So this movie is, it was supposed to be, or there was an idea for it to be one thing. It is, it is a sequel to the Keanu Reeves movie, 47 Ronin. And is there a Keanu Reeves cameo? For the love of God, please tell me. There's this. a mention. If there, if there was, I would have like blown myself to Budapest where we were filming. What, like, what a oh, dream boat. Also think about there's like a resurgence of a Keanu <laughs> career. Like, yes. Shout out to Keanu. And some of us were there before everybody else. Okay. <laughs> some of us were like Matrix Keanu. <laughs> I'm going um, back to like Bill and Ted. Oh, you, you're an OG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's supposed to be this sort of like male-driven action movie. And our pitch was, fuck that noise. What if it's all women Hell and yeah. diverse women? It, it can only be happen when you're naive and you don't know any better just to throw something out the wall that way. And because it was so opposite of what they were thinking that they were going to do, that's why they liked it. There's something so (laughs) special about that though, too. Like having that naive mind coming into something and you don't have any of these preconceived notions about, oh, I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, nope, no rules, trying things out. And that's like that breath of fresh air for everybody else to be like, oh my God, yes, this is a thing that we've been dying to do. So yeah, it's female forward. It's on- Onobu Geisha or like the female samurai who never really got their due or their credit. And so it's us trying to give them that that, yes. that light. That's so cool. How much did your wrestling life help you in this writing life? I mean, I know when you talk about promos, you talk about your character work, all those things that you're able to do as AJ Lee, how much of that helped to prepare you for this? So much. It's There's so many transferable skills. I was very fortunate that I was given a lot of trust with my promos. And I think that started from the angle I had with Caitlin and Tom Cassiello was the writer and he very much was collaborative. And so we would put promos together as like this group. And then I remember we had this really big promo where I'm like revealed as her secret admirer. Oh, I remember that. Oh my God. (laughs) And it was so cool because I think it was Tom me, I wrote a first draft of it, sent it to Tom, and then Tom gave it to Stephanie McMahon. And then she did edits on it. And then she and I sat down together and like practiced it. And like, I added these edits in and stuff. And it was just so cool to see, like she had a lot of writing experience. So it was like this mentorship for the whole arc with me and Tom. And then that one particular promo with me and Stephanie, I was given so much freedom of like, this is every insane thing I want to say. Like, can we do this? Yeah. And they just let let me do like my whole promo. And it just, that feeling of like, I wrote this. Like I envisioned it, I wrote it and you like, let me put it on And TV. you go and like perform it. And you write perform it and it. perform it. Oh my God. And we were terrified because this was a time when women didn't get to talk ever. Yeah. And so I remember we were shitting our pants because we were like, they're just going to do the, the Austin what chant the mm-hmm. whole time. We legitimately said, like we had a game plan for what yeah. to do. And Stephanie was like, just talk over it. Just like, you know, we all thought it was going to happen and it didn't. They were listening to us talk. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, I know how to get people's him. attention. Yeah. Um, and so from there, they trusted me to like write my own promos. And I'd get like bullet points or they just give me like five minutes, just go, whatever. And there was so much trust there with like Vince and I that I realized like I knew how to like work a crowd or write something to like work a crowd. And then also when you're putting together a match, it's a story, right? Mm-hmm. There's a good guy and a bad guy. The good guy looks like he's, you know, not going to do so great. that You got that cut off. That very much is like the end of an act one. Like, oh, yeah. here's your problem. And then there's trials and tribulations, right? Those are your, your falsies and your false finishes, um, your fault, your hopes during, your, during the heat. That's act two, you yeah. know? And then yeah. it's like, oh, and then the back and forth. That's the end. That's the conflict. That's the big confrontation. That's your act three. So much of it is the same thing as writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I took all of those skills and, and I felt prepared for it because I knew what a live audience wanted. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like I had a, a leg up. As they say, wrestling is everything. It It really (laughs) pertains to absolutely everything. Uh, What promos are the ones that you were the most proud of? That one, because I wrote it. The pipe bombshell. Of course. That was named by my husband. Um, I love that one. That one. Did you feel like the, like, did you really know the gravity of what that moment was going to be? I really didn't. 
I remember I got like bullet points from Vince. Like that was our thing. Like he would give me bullet points and then just trust me. And then I remember I, I came to the back and he gave me a kiss on the cheek and he mm. said, great job. And then he said, don't pace as much in the beginning. That like, just like be a little bit more like steady in your feet. And I was like, oh, that's your only, okay. Done. Yeah. Planted. But I remember he like, we had that kind of relationship where he was always like very proud of the promo stuff. So I was just like, oh, I did a good promo. <laughs> and then, and I had no idea like everything that would happen after and it would cause like six months of pay-per-view title matches. Yeah. Which I thought that was my favorite part of it. It was like, we got to do a story for every single girl, every single yeah. pay-per-view after that. So those two are my favorite. Oh, and then, <laughs> then I think Caitlin and I have a really dumb one, like backstage that we wrote. Okay. It was just like us being idiots together. <laughs> I really enjoyed that too. There's so many. I really just liked being this like dick character. <laughs> I mean, everyone loved it. But why do you think that your character worked so well? And at that time when it was just so different from everything else? It was a combination of being a fan and knowing what I wanted to see. And it, it's just not being there yet. And yeah. a lot of that is the same mission statement that we have for our production company is, you know, we grew up feeling like we wanted to see certain things on television. I wanted to see a certain woman in wrestling. And I waited and I waited and I kept watching. And I was like, well, fine, I'll fucking do it. You know, <laughs> I'll put myself my on beer. there. Yeah. And, um, and I think that was felt by a lot of women watching that just like to feel like they were represented to feel like it was more accessible, um, yeah. like they could do it if I could do it. You know, like I was average chick, like wasn't big, wasn't a supermodel, wasn't busty, like busty. Who's, is it 1940? <laughs> um, uh, a busty broad. Um, <laughs> busty broad. Yes. I love the term broad. Nobody uses that nearly enough anymore. It's broad over here. <laughs> Gotta get Emilio oh, to say man. that with his New York accent. Really adds a little stank onto it. <laughs> New York, Jersey, yes. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, so so I think it was just that like feeling of like it was a fan on TV. Yeah. And that's very much what we're trying to do with our production company, Scrappy Heart Productions, is we, we've been watching TV for so long as Latinx women, as women who've come from marginalized backgrounds. And we want to see diverse people on television. We want to see people who are normally the supporting character. We want to see them as the star of the story. Why can't why can't there be an older woman as a star of a story or yeah. a full-figured woman as a star of a story? And we got to do that in two different comic books. Um, we got to tell a beautiful lesbian love story in a comic book. Love um, it. And so that's kind of the goal is like, well, we've been waiting for it. We're just going to A, put ourselves on TV. Me and my writing partner, Amy Garcia, she's an actor. And you guys look shockingly alike. We're twins. I think. It's really bizarre. I have to ask my dad some questions. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we, we put ourselves there first and now we're doing that for the next generation. Yeah. And so that just, I think that's what people connect to is that we just want to see ourselves on screen to feel like we belong in the world. What was it like for you being somebody with bipolar, playing a mentally unstable character on television? Was there ever times that that was weird for you or uncomfortable for you? Like how, how was that? Definitely. I think that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to A, write the book, but also name it crazy as my superpower. I felt like I did a disservice to my mental health community by like hiding in plain sight for so long. And, but I was proud of the fact that along the whole way, even though I was like hiding and it was a secret, anytime there was something I felt uncomfortable with, I very much like spoke up and was like, we need to take this more serious and it needs to be creepier and it needs to, she needs to be like a darker character and not like make fun of it and make light of it. There needs to be like a danger to it. And so I really fought for that it did feel like hiding in plain sight. And so yeah. I felt like I kind of owed my fans and like my mental health community me to come out and then say like, I'm not going to change people's like lexicon. They're going to always call things crazy, but I can take that word and twist it and use it as, yeah. as power. Yeah. Well, let's just get into the, like being diagnosed with it. When you finally oh, yeah. got the answer of it, what was that all like for you? Um, it is both a relief and it also is a little bit, of like a scary, like you're about to go the, down this road that you don't understand yeah. what, what what's waiting for you down there. And you know, it's going to be a long journey and um, you know that every day is going to be some sort of battle, but at least when you have answers that you're prepared. So it's like going on this like hike, but you've got a backpack and you've got supplies and you know, that's kind of what it felt like. So I was relieved and also scared, but you were 20 when you got diagnosed. Yeah. I was right? around yeah. there. Yeah. And 
I didn't respect it the way I needed to. I, at, at the beginning, it definitely was this thing that I needed answers for because I was a suicide survivor. And then I had answers as to why that situation happened and how I could avoid that. And so at first I, you know, really went down the road and took it seriously. And then what happens a lot with people who struggle with their mental health is they think they have it under control and they're like, oh, it's fine. I'm fine without my medication. I'm, you know, I'm fine not going to therapy. And, and I very much did that. And I always had something to keep me distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have extreme highs and lows and not, wasn't taking care of myself the way I needed to. And so some, I, I recently talked about it in, a, in, in, a, in an interview, but I've never really gone super in depth and until my next book um, <laughs> about there have been other like attempts. And um, it's just part of the journey, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it's just you, it's something I live with every day. You know, I have to make the choice to live every day and just having the tools necessary and respecting my mental health enough to stay on top of my treatment program and just know what my triggers are. The best thing for me is I know that it's not me. It's a part of me. And so every time, like, I feel certain symptoms, I'm like, this bitch, Jean. I've uh, named her. Her name's Jean. Jean. <laughs> she, Jean. She's a shady bitch. And she just, you know, but her, she lies. And she is not, she wants me to feel a certain way. And to, so to me, that is, that's what helps me is to know it's a dark day. It's not me. It's something outside of myself. When um, you know that yeah. you're having one of those dark days, did you like have like a system in place for like, all right, this is what I'm going to need today to be able to cope knowing that this is around the corner? Yeah. And, and I try to not be too prescriptive because I think it's different for everybody. Sure. Um, but I think it's a lot of trial and error. I've literally done everything holistic. I've done medicine. I've done, I've, I've done everything under the sun and I found the cocktail that works for me. Yeah. So I do have a thing that I do when I feel that way. And the, the most important part is knowing that it's happening where I'm not just like, oh, I'm sad and this is how it feels. The world is terrible. I yeah. know it's a depressive cycle now. And that only comes with experience and treatment and going to doctors and talking about it mm-hmm. and being very open so the people around you know to just look out for it. You know, yeah. I tell my husband all the time, it's a dark day. And he's like, <laughs> all right, stay in bed. What was it like for you being on the road and having that grueling schedule while dealing with all of this as well? Like, I can't imagine what that's like while also having to go, here's your promo and seg one and you've got this and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a lot for anybody. So to be in that schedule for as long as you were, how did you do that? I would just like <laughs> cry in the bathroom a lot. <laughs> Love a good cry sesh. It, it was like, it was really interesting to see like the closest people around me not knowing. Yeah. And would just be like, are you okay? I remember um, Celeste, Caitlin was actually like, oh, it all makes sense now. Like that one time we went to a gym and you were like, I'm going to stay in the car and oh, cry. Oh God. Like, mm, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was just moments like that. And especially the last year was just so complicated. And yes. Um, and that was, and I was a champion and it was all these great things and I got married and, but it was also, you know, there's just so much going on. It's it's a lot for, it's a tornado of emotion. Yeah. So it was a juggling act. And I, I don't know, I have no answers for how I survived it. I got lucky. I, you know, I talked in an interview. I don't want to get too dark on this, but I talked in an interview about going to a hotel and my plan was that was it. Yeah. And I ended up calling, I couldn't get through to a, to a hotline. And all I could remember was 311. And I called 311 and a man 311. 311 saved my life. Wow. Just talking to me. Um, wow. And I was like in a hotel with like the Divas Championship in my suitcase. That's like, so like. You never know. You like, who's never struggling. know. You really never know. Like it's just so like, yeah, you see this like powerful woman so in control of yourself, of your character. Like that's what I saw of AJ Lee. So to imagine that you were not feeling that same way. I mean, it's really, um, great of you to be able to, to put that out there for other people, to, for them to understand. I know, obviously, this is a big thing for you to, to be an advocate for and, and to be so open about it. But you, yeah, you just never know what you people really are don't. going through. You really don't. To give people grace. Yes. Yeah. To check in. Especially ask this day okay. and age. Like, shit, man, we've all got so much stuff going on all the time. For real. People a little bit of a break. And I will also say, if you're struggling, just there are so many wonderful hotlines that I would like put them in your phone. You know, yeah. I, think, I believe it's 1-800-273-TALK. Put that in your phone so you don't have to search for 311 on your yeah, phone. Yeah. You never know if you or someone you love might need it. 
but just reaching out and like telling people there's something wrong. Like that, that was something I had a real trouble with doing. Yeah. And now I don't. Now I'm like, I need help. Help me, help me. <laughs> What's it like being on the other side of that when you're not in that dark mode and you're like, whoa, that almost happened and I'm okay today. What is that feeling like? It's kind of like, uh, like a car going past you and you're like, whoop. Yeah. Um, and so you really, it really becomes this thing that you have to stay on top of all the time. And you always have to kind of give yourself grace and check in with yourself and yeah. educate yourself about treatment and about the right method for you and about symptoms. So that's my biggest thing with whether it's you or someone you care about education and empathy. If you just know what's happening and you can give people a little bit of space and healing and grace when they need help, you really could save your life or somebody else's. Yeah, absolutely. Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. When you were winding down with your time uh, with WWE and there was so much going on at the time, uh, it seems like you had a great relationship with Vince. What was that like when you were letting him know that your time there was done? He was very kind. He was just like, the door's always open if you want to come back. And yeah. that to me was, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I know it, it's different for some people, but <laughs> to me, it was so important to go out on top on my t- own terms. You know, I had seen you can go back. Like there's a lot of people who, yeah. you know, get buried in there, you know, at the end. And I got to like win at Mania and go. It just like all felt like it was the right time, the right way. I couldn't do anything else. There wasn't anything else I wanted to yeah. do in my career. Like I felt like I checked everything off. And for it to be like, okay, go fly. You know, yeah. I, I- Go be uh, free. Yeah, I appreciated that. To me, it was, it was exactly what it needed to be. It's so nice you can, when you do feel like there's like that perfect bow on it. Yeah. I mean, what more could you really ask for to mm-hmm. just like, all right, this is done on to the next. Nice to just like have that little bow on that. Yeah. Um, working with Paige. Let's talk a little bit about Paige. What a dream boat she is. She really is. Uh, for you guys to have all of those amazing moments that you were able to have uh, in the ring, you guys to be teaming together. What was that like for you when she was coming up from NXT and you guys got to have that amazing moment that is now in fighting with my family and you were played by Zelina Vega. We got so much to get into. Who's also that. my Jersey baby. Like I knew her from Jersey. <laughs> I don't know if she's from Jersey, but I knew her from the indie scene. So yeah. it's just like a weird I think follow. she's from Queens. Ah. I think, yeah, she's from Queens. We trained together in Jersey a few times. But, okay. So I haven't seen it because just like wrestling, I haven't actually watched it. You've not um, seen it? I lived it. Why would I watch it? Because I feel like I would be <laughs> dying to see how somebody played me. No, I couldn't even, wa- I never even watched my matches back. Never? No, I couldn't do it. It just like, you do it and it's done and you go. Yeah. But uh, I will say, I love Zelina. I think she's amazing. But my Soraya, oh my God. Uh, I remember the the day before that was going to happen, I talked to her at Mania and I was like, get ready. Like, it's like going to be the ride of your life. Like, know who you are. Never like lose that. And I remember the next day she was just so like overwhelmed in like a really good way. Yeah. And I just like spent the day with her and it, it was just so much fun to like put the promo together and she was so cool and so giving. Let me like boop her and like, and that was cool. And then I had to have like a whole bunch of surgeries, but like yeah. the plan was for us to spend this whole year feuding. We didn't get to. But then when I came back, we did. It was just so much fun. Like she, she's one of the people that like popped me in every match. I just like <laughs> laughed so hard. She's such a little shithead. Oh my God. Like yeah, we'd have this, funny. this one move where I would act, like the first time I gave her this like spinning kick, I hit her a little too low. So forever we called it the cunt punt. <laughs> she'd be like, cunt punt. And I had to just, it just popped me every single time. Uh, but she was just such a blast. Yeah. I wanted to like protect her like she was my daughter and like, you know, like just keep her safe. Yeah. And so it felt, when I, I th- that was one of the things where when I retired, I was like, what's my baby going to do out there I know. on her own? She's one of those people, I feel like I always felt that way too. Like as soon as I met her, I was like, I just like, I love you. I mm-hmm. want you to always be great. And she is amazing. She's so but talented. She's so, so talented. Something else has to give there. I mean, I know physically we've got to work on some things and 
I'm not really sure the status uh, of her of her neck and what's going on with that, but man, people would freak for that to happen. How are you doing physically? Good. I yeah. um, had a bunch of surgeries for health stuff. I um, my neck was hurt at the end of my career, but I feel great. Not trying to wrestle. <laughs> Don't That's get that. That's not what I'm getting <laughs> at. What I'm, I'm just checking in, just um, seeing gonna, how you're doing. Yeah, I'm going to keep it feeling great by not wrestling. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did, I, I hurt my neck really bad the last year. And yeah. when it happened in the ring, I thought it was paralyzed, which was the scariest thing ever. What was the moment? Um, I think it was me and Soraya. I, I fucked up her move. I like jumped a little early and I okay. landed on the top of my head and couldn't feel my legs. And they were like, you got to sell a hard cam. And I was like, I can't feel my legs. Uh, oh my God. And I just like roll over and sell the hard cam. And then, you know, I got my feeling back and, you know, went to the doctor and it turned out I, uh, three of my discs are, are so compacted. It like is shutting off a nerve. Yeah. So like my hands just like go numb randomly. But just like with rehab and stuff, I was able, so I was able to like, I had the option to do surgery to alleviate that pain or do rehab. Yeah. Um, and I went like the rehab route and I was doing rehab and I was still on the road as champion. So like I never really, really gave it that chance <laughs> to like heal. I'm gonna have like Batman neck for like oh four my years God. Um, after. Uh, yeah, my hands still go numb. But other than that, <laughs> I, yeah, I was doing very it. lucky, you know, to not have like wrestling God. injury surgeries. Did WWE ever try to get you to come back for any moments? I cannot say. <laughs> I could see as soon as I asked it, there was a little glimmer in your eye that perhaps we don't have to get into it. But that's a yes. Um, <laughs> doing commentary. How are you enjoying that? I love it. I didn't realize I was going to slip into a heel commentator. Like I it mean, just- you could have seen it coming. <laughs> She's in there. <laughs> but it's so much fun and it's so difficult. I understood that you... You did it for a Lord year. have mercy on Forever. ourselves. Jesus, take the wheel. Yes. Kudos to you to do it in that sort of like pressure cooker environment. Uh, I don't know how you survived. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult. <laughs> it but is. It no, is, it, it, um, it really is. Especially when you're like not playing like a character. Like I have the freedom to be like a character and be like the heel yeah. commentator. But to be like a straight man, I feel like that seems really difficult. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely like I, I I could go on and on about things that I found difficult about that. But I, I I do really respect when people can go in there and are awesome at commentary because it's like, what a skill. Oh my God. Especially in professional wrestling. And I, I feel like people, that gets lost on people sometimes. They're like, oh, you're just calling what you see. But it's like, no, you're not. You're It's storytelling and there's the heels and there's baby faces and someone's talking about one thing and the other person's got to protect on the other side of things. Like, And then someone's in your ear. And yeah, <laughs> there's, there's so many different moving parts to it. So when I see somebody, like, I mean, I will always say, I think Corey Graves is such an amazing commentator. I think he does such a great job. And he always has been very good at that. It kind of pisses me off, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> but... For you to jump in there and do it. I mean, obviously you had your experience doing it uh, with WWE, but now to be in, you know, kind of this different role doing it with WOW, um, how was it this time around? I think that I was like to pull out where I'm not like talking about the girls in the ring in like a way that we're going to be at an angle at some point. Yeah, well, that's hard too, right? As much as you can do some character work if there's no payoff for it. Yes, exactly. What are you really going to do? That kind of stuff out there. I've also noticed I've very much leaned into this like maternal role where I'm just like, I hope everybody wins. Like (laughs) where I'm so proud and I find myself getting lost in the match because I'm just like, oh, they're doing so good. Yeah. We had a really great first string of tapings and I'm so excited to like go to the next one. How often do you guys tape? We're doing, I believe 12 shows uh, in this like three day, we're doing about 52 shows, but we we do 12 in like a three day shooting session every like month. Wow. Those are long days. Yeah. Really long days. Yeah. Um, what is your relationship with the girls that are there that are, you know, figuring out wrestling for the first time, people that have been doing the grind and like the indie scene and whatnot for you to step in there and as the executive producer, having such a heavy hand in what the show looks like, what is it like for you kind of mentoring some of these girls coming in? I feel like the first thing I say to everyone, I'm like, wear elbow pads and wear knee pads <laughs> and stretch before and after. Like, please take care of your body. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that's the most, like, protect your body. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like the need to, like, let people know it's a character. It's not you. Don't take stuff personally. And a rising tide raises all ships. Like, if you're all doing good, the show is going to succeed because of it. And 
that is really heartwarming to see them like really take care of each other and want to see each other shine. It's so cool to be in that role. I yeah. like I like not feeling like I need to compete for a title. Or oh, right. It's nice I to like just be like, I'm role. not doing that anymore, but yeah, you can just observe from over here. And it's going to be really cool. I'm doing out. the first season and then we'll see how we go from there. Yeah. But, so, so I do wanted to see how much we can get done in this first season. Sure. And, you know, see where we leave it after. So what's it like working with Jeannie Buss? And like, yeah, just like, what's your relationship like with her? She's just like the boss bitch. I mean, like, she, she is. She it's is. fucking Jeannie Buss. Like, <laughs> She is so just cool and powerful and like kind of like takes over a room when she walks into it. But it's also really, really warm and inviting and very, very generous. Like she she just wants everyone to shine and everyone to get what they need and everyone to feel like safe. Sounds like Steph. Very the same vibes. Yeah. Like when the girls would be very comfortable talking to Steph. Yeah. Like if there was an issue, you could talk to her. It's that. And so it's just to see what she's invested yeah. Of like her own money in this yeah, program. Why she, what's her deal? Why is she so into wrestling? What's her? She is all about female empowerment. Mm-hmm. And I think that she was always intrigued by how women are part of this show that is so male dominated and such masculine energy. And she was really interested in like, what, what does that look like when it's all women? When you're not just part of the show, you are the whole show. So just for her to like put her money where her mouth is, yeah. it's really, really interesting. And to keep fighting for it to go from you know, YouTube to access to now Viacom CBS. It's going to be on 200. Gosh, I'm, I just lost the word. Do you want some Dayquil? No, yes. Because I'll get you some. <laughs> markets. 200 markets. <laughs> We're under bright lights, everybody. We don't know what's going on. Everyone just, it's being edited. It's oh, fine. Oh, man. But uh, she's really fought for it to go from YouTube to access to yeah. 200 markets through Viacom CBS. Like that's an achievement in this like short time. Oh my God. No, it really is. It's cool to see like women really step up and get into that role. Um, have you guys had like some like real skull sessions where you're like, here's women's wrestling, check out this match, or maybe you should get eyes on this. What kind of stuff have you pointed her in the direction of to get her up to speed on, on women's wrestling? Where I feel like I've put my biggest fingerprint on the program is the inclusivity factor and bringing stuff up to date, just like modern wrestling, but also just like modern television Yeah, and how we all want to feel represented and how we don't want to be caricatures of a culture or a type of woman or a job. We we want it to be more relatable and but still keep it that vision that David McLean has of this like sort of glow spinoff. And so it's still fun. And it's still wholesome in a way that like, you know, families can watch together. Yeah. But in a way that feels a little bit more modern, I think has been cool. And also yeah. just to give the perspective of stuff, like what we want when we're yeah. wrestlers and, you know, what we're comfortable with and, and speaking for them in a way, if they're brand new and they can't speak for themselves yet or they don't feel comfortable, yeah. you know, I can speak for them. I can't wait to like check out more of this as it's like coming together. Like it just, it seems like such a great thing and so many amazing people involved in this, in this project. So kudos to you. And just like cool to see you back in like the wrestling world. I mean, I feel like the internet broke when you guys did that press release and it was like, wait, hold on what's (laughs) happening here. It was such a, it was such a cool moment. Who else do you really want to work with? Who else is on your like bucket list of like other producers, actors, writers? So. I can't legally say, ah, but there was a, good one. a female showrunner who was a dream showrunner and we have attached her <gasps> to a project Yay! Um, that we're actually going to go out and pitch this month, That's which is awesome. no, in July, and which is the most, wait, no, maybe June. No, yes, my heart just sunk. I was like, wait, in a few weeks? <laughs> Where um, am I? What's happening? Yeah. And so that is the coolest thing. And then my like heart project, my passion project is- um, we're going to be adapting my my book. So that holy shit. And we have a showrunner that's like a dream showrunner for wow. it as well. Um, and so so those two I can't talk about yet, but they are happening. And I'm uh, it's really cool to go like this is this would be the perfect person, and then to have it actually come to. Has it been cast yet? No, but who, uh, that's who's like part your of dream the- cast for it? Who's gonna play you? I don't know. I would have to think about that. But it, it is a younger perspective. Yeah, like the childhood portion of it. So it's not like a wrestling story. It, it's a uh, childhood, mental health, poverty. Yeah. Comedy. It's like all those things. Yes, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of like with my book. I, I 
you need to have like a dark sardonic sense of humor to you get through that You have to, 100%. Did you really feel that? Like when you were in those moments of going through the poverty, being homeless, could you find the humor in those moments? Or was it like afterwards of like, as like a coping mechanism? <laughs> like when yeah. you really are like, I have to laugh through this shit or I'm going to go fucking bonkers right now. I remember my parents would find the humor and I would be so mad at them for finding, I would think, this is not funny. Um, and then in, you know, retrospect, you find some stuff is really hilarious, like having no food. And, and then you have food and you drop it and the dog eats it, you know, stuff like that. Like that's fucking funny to me now. Not so funny when you're hungry. When you're hungry, yes. that shit ain't funny. I think that's the only way to survive it. Yeah. And also it is a way to be able to give other people the permission to talk about subjects that they would be uncomfortable talking sure. about or truths they would that's be uncomfortable That's a really exposing. good point. Yeah. Make it funny. And then it's not so like after school special. Like we yeah. have to whisper about it. No, it's like, it's approachable. Like I survived it. It's fine. You yeah. can survive it too. Yeah. No, it's really true. I mean, I think when, when conversations can be so heavy or like, well, I guess I'm just going to avoid it and not talk about it because yes. I don't want to like say the wrong thing or, you know, trigger something. Like I, there's so many different layers to that. So yeah, I think being able to like, just to make it, to have a conversation about it. Cause it is so important to talk about all that stuff and God finding humor and all the horrible things really helps us all just <laughs> get through some shit. 100%. Well, AJ, I really appreciate you coming out here. This has been so fun. I feel like I've taken up a bunch of your time asking a million questions and um, having brain farts. Cause I'm on um, Claritin, Dayquil, whatever I'm on. These damn Las Vegas allergies are taking me down. But it's so nice to see you. I mean, for us to not see each other for so many years and we got coffees the other day and now for us to sit down, it's just really nice to see you fucking killing it. Thank you yeah. for having me and for letting me chew on your baby the other day. Oh, yes. She loves She's it. the most delicious little thing. <laughs> <laughs> She's very chewable. She's got a lot of meat to give out. Oh my God. Those well, you've, little thighs. you've always been amazing and you're always so kind back then. And just to see you like good people shining and like succeeding is it's very heartwarming. And I appreciate that. It's the so. best. Likewise. <laughs> I'm feeling it. I'll let you get back to uh, whatever it is Larry. you're doing out here. In Ve- yep. A little Larry. Out with Larry in Vegas. Larry for, don't actually don't take Larry for a walk. It's too hot. His poor little paws. <laughs> oh my God. It's like a 10 PM walk. Trust me. Mm. We used to have to do with blue. It's like too hot. I'm like, buddy. <laughs> big thanks to AJ Mendez for hanging out with me. Uh, I know she doesn't usually do a lot of these sit down interviews. So I really appreciate you responding to my text message when I asked you to do it <laughs> and then making the time to make your way over to the wind so that we can hang out and, uh, and, and talk the talk. So thank you to AJ. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I know she's got a gigantic, massive fan base. So hopefully this served you all very well. See you guys next time. This has been The Sessions.